This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome in to another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Got a great show lined up for you guys today. I'm your host, Corey Burton. You can find the show on social media at Believe in Dogs on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find me personally at CoachBurton36, also on Twitter. Uh, you can find, also, you can if you want to give us feedback, you can email the show, believeindogs at gmail.com. And as well, uh, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like, make sure you leave a review, and make sure you rate us anywhere that you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., etc., etc. Got a great guest lined up for you today, uh, Israel Troop. He was uh, he played from 2007 through 2011, uh, wide receiver, former wide receiver. He is a current uh, offensive coordinator at Valwood High School, which is a private school, I believe, down in the Valdosta area. We caught up with him, and uh, he was a great guest. He was he had a lot to say. Uh, we talked about a variety of topics. Uh, we broke down the wide receiver room, uh, broke down the quarterback situation, and uh, there was a lot of fun we had, so uh, make sure you enjoy this. Uh, our show is brought to you by betonline.ag. The wait is finally over, guys. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be on the action at BetOnline. So, I saw a uh, they they launched this uh, Survivor Series NFL Survivor Series and I picked for Week One, um, so you might want to pick opposite of this. But I picked for Week One, I picked the Buffalo Bills over the New York Jets. So if you're if you're uh, if you're a Jets fan or if you're a Jets player, please don't listen to this because you might ruin my pick. So, um, but I picked the Bills over the Jets in that. Uh, so you may want to uh, you may want to join that. It's it's a free entry. Uh, to this uh, Survivor Series, I think the grand prize might be five grand or ten grand, something like that. 
Um, it's worth a shot uh, if you feel like you know anything about NFL football. Uh, for game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. I've I've played a ton of blackjack. I played some slots. I won a dollar forty in slots the other day in just ten minutes of action. So head to BetOnline.ag today. Take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome into another episode of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast, a Labor Day edition of Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. I'm joined by a very special guest. His name is Israel Troop. Israel, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Well, we're we're making it, man. It's uh, you know, the the clock is ticking. Uh, football's almost here. So, um, you know, if you're a group of five team, you've already played. So, um, and then of course, uh, high school is kicked off in Georgia, right? Yes, it was so exciting to see all the teams getting to play and uh, seeing people in the stands and everybody getting excited for football again. So, Israel, you are the offensive coordinator at Valwood, correct? Yes. Uh huh. So, uh, what's your philosophy? Is it was it was it driven by some of the stuff that you did at Georgia? Um, is it a combination of kind of all your experiences? What uh, how'd you, what, what's your philosophy? Uh, my philosophy is kind of built off everything I've learned from being at Georgia and some of the great coaches I've been around. Um, the main thing that I've learned is these players said it's not my job to stop me; it's your job to stop me. So. Uh, that's kind of my philosophy. Uh, we're uh, up-tempo, uh, multi-formation offense. Um, I try to find a way to run the same play out of different formations um, just to give you a different look um, and get the ball to my playmakers. So that's kind of what we do. Um, we're a private school, yes, but we've got some, we got some great athletes. So I try to get them in great situations. Absolutely. I mean, you got you got to find space for those guys. I mean, that's – you know, any anytime you can manipulate the formation to find space for them, or uh, just kind of get creative with some of your concepts and and things like that, I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, so uh, t- take me back to you know you're a uh, you're a product of Tift County High School, um, and when I was in eighth grade, uh, that was the year that Tift County played in the state uh, sim or the state finals. They were state runners up that year. I think they lost to Parkview. Uh, their first round game was yes, against. You played the, in the semifinals. Yes. And the first round was the high school that I ended up going to uh, the next year, in the next four years, uh, Fayette County. So I'm familiar with the the culture with Tiff County. It was monsooning. Like, it, it was, I mean, it, the, probably some of the hardest rain I've ever seen. And uh, it's about a three-hour trip, I think, from, from Tifton to uh, to Fayetteville. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that was probably one of the largest largest away crowds that we've gotten that season. And it was unreal. Like, uh, Fayette. Fayette County is located in uh, South Metro. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh-huh. um, it is. Uh, it's 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 crazy, man. And so, um, the the culture down there at Tiff County is is outstanding. So, um, what t- take me through recruiting? So, when when you're going through your recruiting process, what what was that like for you? Oh, it was uh, it was awesome. It's a it's a little bit more calm than it is today in these days and times with Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and everything, but uh. It was an awesome experience. I got to meet uh, a lot of great coaches um, during that time. Um, got to see a bunch of great places, great campuses. Um, so um, it was a crazy time then. It's even crazier now. Um, but it was a fun time, i tell you that. Um, I tell my kids all the time, when you're being recruited, it's the best time of your life. You know, mm-hmm. you get to see different people. Um, you get to meet so many different coaches, great coaches, um, who I admire so much. Um, so... 
um, during that time, it was just just trying to figure out where I wanted to be. Um, talked to my parents a lot of where I wanted to go and uh, just making the right decision for me. So, right. so what stood out about UGA? Um, I just love the culture down there. Um, John Easton was our wide receiver coach. He was by far one of the funniest people I've ever met. Um, and during that time, my um, dad's offensive coordinator, who was Roy McWilliams, was friends with Coach Callaway at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to meet Coach Callaway and Coach Bubba and all those guys um, early on in my uh, middle school and high school career. So, you know, you kind of form a bond with those guys. You know, Coach would take me um, up there to practices whenever he would go. So it, it was it was a nice campus, and, you know, meeting with Coach Rick and seeing kind of the things that he embodied and the uh, values that he offered, you know, it was just – it was just something I want to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, I experienced that first uh, firsthand. I was a student assistant in recruiting. Uh, graduated, I think, right before my last year there. We, I think, was when we were um, we had started to recruit you, maybe. Um, and then mm-hmm. I came back. I took a year off after I graduated and came back in 2007, um, which I think would have probably been your freshman year, I believe. Uh, yeah, the, uh-huh. the year we went to the Sugar Bowl. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh. Did you get to travel to that game? How how was that experience? I did. It was great. I mean, it was awesome. Um, you know, we had worn the black jerseys against Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, there was speculation that we were going to wear them. Um, the seniors knew we were going to wear them, but we didn't as underclassmen. And then we, um, you know, we say our prayer and do our chant before the game. And, you know, we turned the lights off. And we, when we warm up, we were in red. Right. And then as soon as we cut the lights back on, the black jerseys were out. We were like, oh, my God, they, they're really doing it. Yeah. Um, and just to hear that crowd, whenever we, I get goosebumps right now thinking about it, hearing that crowd just erupt when everybody comes out in the black jerseys was awesome. Well, from a crowd perspective, it was, I mean, it, we, we've been trying to, I guess, talk you guys into wearing black jerseys. I think there was a couple of instances that year where, where the fans would, would black out and then, um, it didn't happen. And then I think just the sheer excitement of it finally happened, uh, when you guys ran out against Auburn, it was, uh. I mean, that's probably what helped uh, create that electric atmosphere. Yes, that. And then with that, that same electric atmosphere carried over to playing Hawaii. Um, they had Colt Brennan, who had thrown for a crazy amount of yards um, over there in that conference. And they were undefeated coming in. Um, and he had a lot of hype. You know, he was a great quarterback. But, uh, you know, one thing that uh, Coach Martinez said, he said he had never been hit by guys in the SEC. So, I mean, it was as soon as that first quarter hit and it was it was boom, it was ready to go. And um, we had so much fun on that trip and just to win that game and in the black jerseys and bring that excitement from the same uh, bring that type of energy from the the Auburn game to Hawaii um, in the Sugar Bowl was great. And we had a great crowd that game, too. I mean, all the whole stands and the Superdome was blacked out. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah, I I was in the house for that one. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. now, leading up to it, uh, at least from the outside perspective, uh, the you know the narratives were you know Georgia's on upset alert. You know they they're playing Hawaii. Colt, you know you heard about I'm sure Colt Brennan nonstop. And uh, what you know what how much of the outside noise is filtered um, with uh, within y'all's program? Uh, we don't um, coaches. You know they always have the little. Um, gimmicks to try to get you excited and get you going but to mm-hmm. us you know playing one of the best you see him on ESPN all the time um, just seeing him do that and um, being able to play him it gets us excited you know we 
you know, the the media tries to say, oh, well, he's this, he's that, but you still got to go play, and the media can't go out there and play him for you. Exactly. So you got to prepare. You got to go out there and prepare as if, you know, this is your last ride, you know. So we got we got ready to play him, and um, our guys were fired up because they want to prove everybody wrong. You know, mm-hmm. we don't really listen to the noise very much, but, you know, it kind of sparks you a little bit when they're saying this about you and you can't stop him or he's going to do this. So it lights a little fire up under you. So it gives you something to prove when you go out there and you step in between those lines. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing that substitutes uh, the talent and the experience of, a, of an SEC player. And uh, and then you, you put a little chip on the shoulder. And, and that, that 2017 was probably, uh, you know, had it not been for circumstances earlier in the year, probably could have been national champions, to be honest, as, as well as y'all were playing at that point. Oh, yes. It was um, – we after I remember watching the uh, Georgia Tech game and um, I think Tennessee and Kentucky were playing. And we were just wait just to see where we were going to go. And um, I think uh, Tennessee ended up pulling it off. It was overtime, we I think. We were like, oh. Yeah. We were like, oh, man. We are like, come on, Kentucky. Y'all got it. Yeah. And then uh, Tennessee ended up winning. So, um, you know, you know, that's the way the chips fall. And, you know, we didn't we didn't look at it as, oh, we should be here or anything like that. We looked at it, well, we finna get after somebody. Somebody so we're gonna take this frustration out on somebody and Hawaii just happened to be that opponent. And uh I I bet they you know, I bet they regretted going, Oh gosh, I I wish we could have played somebody else. But I mean <laughs> I, I just couldn't help like that whole day leading up to it. I watched that USC uh Illinois game and I just couldn't help to say that like you know, what if Georgia was playing in this game? And, and, you know, what if we were playing in the Rose Bowl? It would have been a better matchup. It would have been, you know, something that I think would have gotten, you know, a lot of eyes. It would have gotten us experience in in, in, uh, in the Rose Bowl. And it would have just been a, a unique thing for you guys. But, you know, it's just, you know, just whatever. And you guys took care of business. And, and I guess that's all that matters. So, um, you know, as, as your journey progressed, I was watching, uh, well, I was, I was actually strolling strolling through my uh, Twitter feed and I follow uh, UGA Rewind. Um, and I think I saw you retweeted as well. Um, but that 2009 game against Auburn, uh, where you, mm-hmm. where you, spar- you caught that pass from Joe Cox to start to spark the comeback. I was, man, I, I remember, I remember watching that and going, you know, it being down for a little bit. And then you caught that pass and it just, everything just started clicking after that. Man, it was a, that, that was a special night. Um, you know, Auburn came in highly ranked. Um, we were just, you know, everybody said we were just Joe Average, no pun intended. But um, <laughs> we we come out there, you know, we get down fourteen to nothing, and um, they throw a pass at AJ, and he goes down, and you know, I get in there and seize the opportunity um, and spark the comeback. I mean, it was we're we're, we're on the verge of going down twenty-one to nothing, I believe, but I think we got a turnover there, mm-hmm. um, so we got the ball back and was able to score. And after that, it was. We put it on them after that. Yeah, I remember that, and then the, I guess they got revenge the next year with uh, with Cam Newton. But um, so that season was was a very that was kind of an up and down season, um, and you know it just started out at Oklahoma State. Now, what, what was that environment like? Was that I mean, was that as tough of a place to play as as, as people make it out to be? Um, it was it was tough, um, but the heat was just a little bit different. You know, we're used to South Georgia heat and. You know, humidity and all that stuff. But, you know, playing on turf as opposed to grass at, I think it was a 12 o'clock game over there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit different um, over there. Um, great atmosphere. Um, their fans are awesome. Uh, we just, 
Um, but just didn't execute like we were supposed to that game. You know, everybody has the first game jitters, and they had experience coming back, and we had lost a few guys um, on both sides of the football. So, you know, we were still trying to find ourselves a little bit. Um, and, that, and that's how it happens. It happens at, in the high school level, too. Once you lose a great group of seniors and juniors and all those guys leave and you're trying to rebuild, um, you just, they just got to vibe and find, find, their, um, find their niche. And then after a while, it all work out. Yeah. So, like, you know, after that game, you know, with Coach Rick, was, was it just one of those things where you just kind of had to go back to the drawing board and, and find, you know, find you guys' identity? And... Yeah, you just kind of got to see what work, works for you. Um, see what guys you can depend on, um, what guys need to be in certain situations and stuff like that. You know, you just kind of reevaluate everything. You know, you don't throw it all away. Um, you just kind of see what you can do, see what you do well, and then work on that and execute that in games, and um, you'll be fine. A lot of times um, coaches try to overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do every once in a while. You know, I'll think We're about all something. We're guilty of it. Like, yeah, and I'll be like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. Let me just calm down and go back to, you know, what I do. And um, that, that usually tend to work. And, and it shows that you have confidence to your players. Um, say, hey, we can go out here. We can we can do whatever we want to. And with the same thing, not add anything or take anything out. And if we just execute, we'll be fine. And that's just the main thing, just execution. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's all, it's all about trying to find things you do well and, and, and try to build off those. Now, um, I talked to Richard. I had him on the show uh, mm-hmm. you know, a few weeks ago. And uh, he, he helped me to, you know, he helped dispel a myth about Coach Rick about how calm he was on the sideline versus his <laughs> practice demeanor. Is Richard said he was uh, very calm on the sideline, and then he was really amped up and competitive and fired up at practice. Is that true? Yes, it is very. The coach, the misconception that you guys see is that Coach Rick does not get mad. Um, he does get mad, and it is one of the scariest things you've ever seen. Because you you see this calm guy all the time. He he doesn't get high too high too low. You know you can't really tell what he's doing um, on the sideline, but in locker room, oh we hear it, and and he gets after it. Now he he's very competitive. You know that goes from his days um, at Florida State when he was the offensive coordinator, his early days at Georgia. Um, you know, but you know you gotta you gotta put on that face on TV sometimes because they like, I read lips all the time on TV and it is hilarious. Some of the things that people say. Yeah. Um, so he tries to keep it under control. And when we get in the locker room and at practice now, he'll, he'll get you. Have you, have you uh, fallen victim to that? I have, I have, I've fallen victim to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, and it's a part of the game, you know, and being a young turd back then too, um, you know, just trying to find a way to try to try to find a way to skeet by yeah. without doing everything you're supposed to do, you know, and it takes a while for you to figure it out. But after a couple mornings of 430 with Coach T, you know, you start to figure out after a while. Yeah, you start to figure out that this is not very much fun. So what what was, yeah. what was a 430 a.m. Uh, wake up call with Coach T like? Oh, man, you know, those track stadiums over there uh, uh-huh. by the track. Yep. Yeah, 430, 40 of them up and down. Oh. Yes, yeah, up and down with one. <laughs> you oh, had wow. forty of them. Jeez, my so, my legs are hurting just listening to that. Yes, or you had to roll on the on the practice field out there, just depending on what he came up with. He was very creative. Yeah, that's a good thing in in, in a lot of ways, but I guess with uh, with punishment runs, it's it's probably not. You wish he was just more uh, less creative with that, right? 
Oh, I know, but, you know, it teaches you not to do it again. And that's the same thing I do with my players, too. I come up with, I've come up with character building activities for them, uh, is yes. what I call it. I don't, I don't call it punishment. I call it character, character building. building. Yes. Because it does yes. build character. It builds character. Either you're going to stop doing what you're doing or you're going to do it again. So, so what's, your, what's your favorite uh, go to character builder? Um, I make them roll. Um, it's when you lay down and just roll across. And just log roll. You roll down and back and it's they hate they hate every minute of it but i enjoy watching them do it yes and when they get done guess what i don't have any troubles out of them anymore hey all you got to do is say hey um do you want to build some character and then they they shape it up real quick right real real they, it, it's amazing how that happens it's amazing I'll, i always tell them uh because i coach up here in nashville i always tell my kids that we're we're going to uh, train to be two sport athletes and we're going to train for cross country yes yes they, my they don't quote, like that either I figured out that if you tell them to run, they're just like, oh, we got to run, and they'll do that. But no, you got to do something that they hate. They yes. hate to roll. They hate to roll. They hate up-downs, too. Yes, they hate those as well. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, with with Coach Bobo's offense and, you know, as explosive as it was, um, and it got even more explosive uh, the the more years he was there, what was your, what was your favorite concept uh, that you guys ran and, uh, you know, did you, and I'm sure you brought it uh, with you uh, in your, in your arsenal of of uh, weapons on offense. Um, we had a play called Angel. Um, it basically attacks the uh, a cover two look. Um, it's well, I don't want to tell you what it is, and they might be listening. But um, it's basically you crossing your two outside receivers. One's running a corner or anything you want to run outside a bench route, and one's coming underneath running a post attacking cover two. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the back side of that, um, usually a corner, a smash concept or something like that to take the other safety off the hash in the middle of the field is always open. Yeah. Um, I do that. Um, I've kind of manipulated a little bit um, on my side of the offense, but it was one of my favorite plays because they can't be right. Um, even if they try to switch off and go cover three or um, one high safety look, you know, there's still somebody open every single time, whether it be a check down or whether it be um, – another guy down the field. Um, you can't be right when you run it, when this ran correctly. Yeah. I mean, if you go one high, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have that smash concept. That's going to be pretty open, uh, over there. Cause if they, if you go one high and man, you're probably going to hit that corner out. If you go one mm-hmm. high, uh, cover three, probably going to hit that, that wide hitch over there on the smash or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or even if it's man, you're, you, you still have a chance at the post because he's, you know, if, if that guy's a dude, he's going to beat him one-on-one. And if he keeps mm-hmm. it skinny up the seam, you know you you got another big play on you. So that's a yeah, that's that's something that that I, I like. I'm I'm actually taking notes right now, so I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at that. We have one we call it scrapper, um, where uh-huh. it's a double post. It's a it's a three by one concept where we have uh, it's two posts with a whip underneath, and mm-hmm. so uh, the outside post is a skinny post. Uh, the inside post is we call it a bang post. It's a it's a mm-hmm. it's just really a seven step flat post. And yep. then we have our our whip route that 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 comes underneath with where if they're in man coverage it's it's a nice double route or double move route, and then our solo guy uh, we got him on a post corner, so we, we got a couple sound, of double that moves. Sounds, that sounds just like my play, Georgia. It's a double post. I run it out of doubles, mm-hmm. um, two by two, um, or I'll send him and send the guy in motion if I want the safeties to roll down, and my inside guys running a bang post eight yards. Straight across the safety's face, flatten it out, and that mm-hmm. way he's got to make a decision. Either I'm gonna jump it, 
or I'm going to jump the post behind it so he can never be right. Right. So um, it's, a, it's a skinny I, and a bang. Mm-hmm. Over the I run middle. that against uh, one high lot, and I run shakes backside, which is basically your post corner. Yeah. Okay. So you never be right sometimes. Yeah, that's you want to create as much conflict as you as you possibly can. So, uh, but let's talk about let's talk about this year's team. Um, you know, with the news of Jamie Newman uh, leaving mm-hmm. uh, in the current quarterback situation, I guess it's a two way battle between uh, JT Daniels and Dewan Mathis. Uh, so, two part mm-hmm. question here. Um, were you were you on the train of being super excited about Jamie Newman uh, possibility, and uh, how do you feel about uh, the current quarterback situation now, and, and how that's going to shake out? Um, I watched him play. Uh, my wife's a big Florida State fan, so I watched him play at Wake Forest um, against Florida State, and I was impressed with him. I mean, being six five and baby to move and throw the way that he can. Um, I thought it was a great addition to, to Georgia's offense, especially with Munkin coming in and um, having a, a run a run throw threat back there um, is something that Georgia hadn't had since Chalkley was there. You know, so mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a great addition um, to our offense, and you know, offense Georgia's offense has been built around the athletes. You know, if we can run the ball, you know, our offensive line and uh, all that stuff was catered to running the football when we had receivers. Um, A.J. Green, myself, Muhammad Masiklaw, Chris Durham, all of us, all of us guys, you know, the offense was catered to spreading it out and, you know, throwing the ball a little bit here and there. But um, we've just been one-dimensional the last couple of years. Um, and I thought that with him coming, it would kind of open it up a little bit. And not saying that they won't, don't get me wrong, but, when I started, when I heard he was coming, I was like, "Man, this this is what we need a run a runner back there, you know, just another athlete, right? That can uh, run around and you know make plays, stuff like that with his feet." Um, but I think, um, just to answer the second question, I think with JT and Mathis back there now, I think it's going to be a good things going to be a good uh, competition between those two. Um, I'm glad Mathis is able to play. Um, so you know, with uh, I think he has a leg up on um, JT because he knows the players there already, um, you know, kind of built a, you know, relationship with them already. And I, like I said, not saying that JT had, but, you know, Matthew's already been there. So it's right. a little bit easier for him. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to, you know, who's going to be the first one to roll out there. Yeah, I think people discount Mathis because he wasn't really heralded when he came in. I mean, he was an Ohio State commit um, and, and, was probably one of the most under-the-radar signings that Georgia had because the whole Justin Fields situation kind of overshadowed him. And then then he goes and has um, brain surgery and and is able to recover from that. So I think people are just aren't familiar with him because I think they put him on the back burner. But, I mean, the guy's 6'4". He can move. He can throw. I mean, he can can operate. I mean, he is a true dual threat. Um, Not saying JT's not, but, you know, Dewan Mathis gives you a whole other element in the run game that I don't think JT uh, gives you. And I, I think that might give him the edge over over Daniels, but you know, again, the the whole the whole element of him knowing the personnel and knowing and having that relationship with with the at least the veterans on the team is, is got to help. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely you know chemistry on a football team is always important. You know, um, you know, and as a player, if I was there right now and seeing everything that's being said with Jamie leaving. You know, in the media perspective of oh, JT's the better quarterback anywhere, anything like that. No, that's not what happened. You know, so you know the media will, will kind of make your teammates go against you too, mm-hmm. just because you you have nothing to do with it. 
nothing whatsoever. You're being you're being a great teammate and stuff like that, but the media will kind of, you know, make your teammates think, well, well, we didn't we don't know anything about that, or you know, just make them feel like, well, this guy just think he's just gonna come in and win the job. You know what I mean? That's right. not his mindset at all. Right. You know, but so the media can kind of trick you a little bit too, and you know, but like I said, you know, I'm pretty sure that's not what's going on, and I'm I'm sure that Kirby's got a great hold on everything up there like he always does so yeah i'm sure I they're mean, running just as smooth yeah and I, I think if you see jt roll out there it means he probably truly beat out dewan um and vice yeah. versa um and and i think jt's knee has a little bit to do with it as well so um it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out they had another scrimmage i think i haven't read the reports from it but they had another scrimmage but uh so let's talk about the receivers um uh, you know that that's a that's a position that i guess has uh has gone slightly downhill since Kirby got there. Um, you know, you have you have George Pickens, obviously. Um, cool. but I think what you have behind him is is you know, not not a whole lot of depth behind him. Uh, Blaylock goes down with an ACL injury and that that hurts because he was starting to come on. Kyrus Jackson, we don't know what he's got because again, he he spent most of his, uh, last season injured. Uh and you saw flashes of what he can do and then you have these three heralded freshmen and a bunch of uh, unknowns. So, what do you think about the the receiver situation? Who who is the guy behind? Uh, who's the next guy in line behind George Pickens? Oh man, you know it's hard to find somebody like Pickens now. That that guy is very AJ Green esque. Mm-hmm. You know, he is. He's he, got a lot of attitude about him too. Be, yes, I love, I saw I saw him at Hoover. Yeah, uh, when he played at Hoover. So, man, he he's the real deal. I think uh, Jackson's going to be a very good. Um, player for us this year, um, like you said, coming off an injury and um, coming in and contributing um, offensively. And we just hadn't – the thing about Georgia as of late um, up till this year, hopefully, is that, you know, they hadn't thrown the ball, you know, to their playmakers. You know, you don't see that. We're seeing two tight end, three tight end sets, and we're running power or, you know, sweep outside or zone. So I think if we get those guys involved, you know, people start realizing who these kids are. Um, so, you know, running in Coach Bobo's offense, you know, you had in one one room you had like me, AJ, Tavares King, Marlon Brown, Rentavious Wooten, all of us all in one room. And, and before that you had Chris Stewart, Muhammad Massacqua, Sean Bailey, D'Amico Goodman. You know, Georgia's always had great receivers coming in and out. Um, and they've always had to find a way to get them the ball. And that's the thing, just find a way to get these playmakers the ball. Um, because if you get these guys the ball, the more the more ballers you gonna get. Yeah. Um, if guys are seeing if receivers are seeing the top receivers are seeing all oh, they don't throw the ball very much, they're not gonna want to come, you know. And the more talent you got, as we've seen, you know, the Clemsons of the world and Alabama have, have to open up their offense, and now LSU, you know, they've got four bona fide. Let it, well, they had four bona fide last year receivers that can go get it at any time. So, you know, just opening it up to your guys and throwing them guys the ball so people know who they are and let those guys make plays because they wouldn't, you wouldn't recruit them if they couldn't make plays. Exactly. And, you know, I think that, you know, I think that goes a long way just, just showing them that you're going to, you're going to throw them the ball and, and, and not be so one dimensional. And I think that's kind of, you know, and I applaud Kirby for recognizing that, that his, that his offense has gotten so, uh, so one-dimensional, and he made the necessary changes. And I think Todd Monken, I really believe in Todd Monken. I think he's done well everywhere he's been. 
Um, can't yeah. really judge the Cleveland Browns experience because that was just a total mess <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you can properly judge any assistant coach under Freddie Kitchens uh, for that whole for that whole debacle. So let's take that year yeah. out of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, how do you? So looking back at Georgia, how do you use a weapon like James Cook? Man, he would play everything for me. Um, you know, he kind of reminds me of a. Uh, kind of what they did with Sony Michelle at the beginning of his career, you know, they put mm-hmm. him at slot. Um, they put him at a, at a wing back and stuff like that and kind of move him around, you know, to get him on the field. Cause that kid's dynamic, you know, when, um, when you see him with the ball in his hands, you're like, man, they got to move, you know, if only they could find a way to give him the ball more. Um, and I think if they just find a way to give him the ball more in many different ways, you know, move him around, let him play, um, you know, Wildcat quarterback, some something like that to try to get him the ball. Um, I think it'd be I – th- I think that we could be very good offensively, um, especially with that stable of backs we got back there. I mean, Georgia's offense can be pretty dang sporty if we just find a way to get all our playmakers the ball. I know it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I know it's hard to get them all the ball at one time. But, you know, you can always find different ways of getting the ball because you'd be amazed at what they can do with the ball in their hands. Well, the defense is going to give them plenty of opportunities because, I mean, I, you talk about stingy. I mean, you got a defense that didn't give up a rushing touchdown uh, until the Auburn game, and I think that was the only one they gave up all year long, maybe uh, maybe save the bowl game. Um, but, I mean, you, you talk about a defense that's 12.1 points per game, number one in most uh, important defensive categories. So you're going to get your chances because the defense is going to go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. So you're going to get the ball a lot. Um, so if you can just stay ahead of the sticks, stay on schedule, and 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 get first downs, I think you'll create a bunch of opportunities for uh, for James Cook, for George Pickens, for Zamir White, or you know if you're if you're rolling in uh, Kenny McIntosh, or if you're rolling in uh, Dewan Edwards or Chris Mil- or Kendall Milton, um, and then you have some of these other freshman uh, receivers. Jermaine Burton is is a name that I've heard uh, that's emerging out of those trio of uh, freshman receivers that we. That we signed, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Roseme is another one uh, coming out of St. Thomas Aquinas. That's you know extremely heralded. Arian Smith, um, you know, you, you hope for a speedy recovery for him. I think he's had some shoulder issues already, so um, that kind of hurts. But I mean, you know, I hear the definition of balance, and and you know, you talk to a lot of coaches, and and you you immediately begin to say this to hear that misconception that balance is okay. We're going to run half the time, or we're going to throw half the time, which to me. <laughs> true balance is well i've got five playmakers um and then you know including the guys who roll in so it's probably five plus uh playmakers and i got to figure out a way to make them all involved and i got to figure out how to spread this thing around for and and that's my definition of true balance get everybody in your offense involved and make them a legitimate weapon and then that's that's when your heart stop yes that's my that's my philosophy when i go into a game it is what am I? What can I do well this game? Can I run the ball? The balance of my game or my game plan changes every week. Um, I can go into a game and say, "Well, we're, I think we can run the ball a little bit more this week." And then they stack the box, and I say, "Well, we're going to throw the ball." Then we'll throw the ball. You know, so um, it's how can I get my guys the ball? How can I? How can we be successful as an offense? You know, um, and Mike Leach said it best. You know, balance is what people want you to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what you do. They they want you to be balanced. They want to say, "Well." You ran the ball, you know, 10% of the time last year. You're going to change that. No, why, why would I change that? Yeah. You know, that's what you want me to do. You yeah. want – this is your – your definition of balance is totally different from mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that gets 
paid to make these decisions. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and it's very important because I think it also creates buy-in. Um, if they, if they see, if your fourth best receiver, uh, sees that he's going to get a chance to, uh, to get the ball, uh, he's going to go a little bit harder in practice and he's going to try a little bit harder. He, he might stretch out for that ball that he might would have pulled up on, uh, before he might, he might go and block somebody because he knows if he, if he blocks, he's going to get the rock, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just things like that, you know, it creates buy-in and, and, you know, if you, if you show them that you're going to, you know, try to involve them, you know, I, I had, I think two years ago we had, uh, in our program, we had three receivers that were, uh, 800 yards and above. And, uh, we mm-hmm. had one that was, I think at 500 and then our running back was at 450, I think. So we, we really, I mean, we, we racked up a lot of yards that year. We had great senior leadership. Um, we racked up a lot of yards that year and, and it felt like we, we spread it out pretty, pretty evenly. And, um, we, we were involved in a lot of shootouts and, and unfortunately <laughs> on the wrong end of those shootouts, but, um, but that's, you know, again, we had a lot of buy-in that year and I think there's something to mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah. If you get guys to buy in, buy-in is the most important part. Do you, do you believe in what you're preaching and do they believe in what you're preaching? If you're mm-hmm. just saying stuff just to say it, just to make people feel happy, that's a lie. And one thing I tell my players, I'll never lie to you. I'll always tell you the truth. If you're sucking, I'm going to tell you you suck. If you're mm-hmm. doing good, I'm going to tell you you're doing good. You know, I don't ever want, I don't ever want to give you false confidence because that's right. a lie. False confidence is a lie. Exactly. You know, so, um, you know, and these are young men. So young men take on your word and they believe in everything you say. And once they realize that you've lied to them, you can't get them back. Exactly. And that's a, that's a really, really tough thing to do. And, and sometimes you got to be brutally honest, um, you know, and, and try not to sugarcoat anything. But, um, <laughs> you know, so, sometimes a kid just needs a, Hey, we're gonna get there. You know that rep sucked, but we're we're gonna get there and and you know build him back up. So, uh, Coach Bobo, let's uh, you know his his coaching style. He he is. I mean, he's about as competitive as they get as well. What what was he like as as a coordinator? You know, was he you know, was he just kind of ebb and flow with you guys? Was he you know was he one of those that would get in your face and then be your biggest cheerleader? He is, yes, he is exactly the coach that I am now. I'm gonna get all up in you. And then as soon as you do something great, I'm going to be the first one to tell you did it great. Um, and that's one great thing I learned from him is I'm going, I'm going to bring out the best in you, whether you want me to or not. I'm going to get it one way or another. Mm-hmm. I'm going to push you more than you want to be pushed. And I'm going to get on to you when you don't want to be gotten on to. But then as soon as you do something great and you see it all unfold, I'm going to be the first cheerleader to you know come and tell you congratulations and tell you great job and stuff like that. So. Um, he was a great, that's, that's kind of how I do, you know, I've kind of learned that from him and, um, it's carried me a long way. My kids, my kids know where I stand. They know that I'm going to get on you. I'm going to coach you hard, but then I'm going to love you even, even harder. And so, um, that was a great, that was a great lesson from learning me and him butted heads now because I was like, you don't like me, you know, you know how kid, you know how we are as kids, you know, you're like, we're young and. Uh, you don't like me and all that stuff. And then now as a coach, you know, I see why he did what he did and, you know, um, made it a way to where now I get to do what I love and kind of do the same thing. And most of my kids and not most, but all of them, you know, see that it comes from a from a genuine place. Um, I yell at all my kids the same, whether you're a starter, whether you're a fourth team backup water boy, you get yelled at just the same. Um, so um, just keeping it consistent. So my guys know Coach Troop loves me. You know, he don't yell at me. When I stop yelling at you, that's when you should worry. 
Yeah, if I'm yelling I, at you every day, if I'm yelling at you every day, that means I still like you. When I stop just yelling at you, then that means uh, you kind of this game's passed you by. Yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to get in anytime soon. And I, you know, I, I try to tell my kids that as well. I, you know, they, you know, I think some of them get their feelings hurt when when you yell at them, and they think, oh, he he doesn't like me, or you know, I, I'm I'm never going to play because it yelled at me. And you know, that's just simply not true. You know, I I think it's one of those things where. I think sometimes you just need to wake them up because, yeah. you know, they don't realize, you know, sometimes in their mind, I think they think they're given a certain effort when uh, in reality um, that effort can be doubled, sometimes even tripled. And and I think that sometimes yelling is just a just a pure wake up call of, hey, I know you're better than this. Now get your head out of your you know what and let's let's go. Mm-hmm. Um I've never met a coach that didn't yell. Even some of the best, even some of the ones that don't use cuss words or foul language, like some, you know, they they do yell, and that's what kids need. You need they need to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be coddled all the time. Yell at them. Make them make them do what you want them to do. So um, that's that was my that was a great time just being with him, and you know, it's like you hated him that during that time, but you love him now. You know, you're like yeah, you finally appreciate like it, but you're like. Coach, I appreciate it. You know, when he was at Colorado State, um, he would come in, um, recruit. Uh, him and Joe would come um, to Valdosta when I was at Valdosta and recruit, recruited some of our kids. And um, he'd be like, Troops, good to see you. I'm like, Coach, good to see you too. And if that was back in 2009, it'd be like, I hate everything about you. <laughs> you know, so do you, it's do you amazing tell him that? how that happens. No, I, yes, I have told him. I was like, I did not like you back then, but I like you now. Yeah. And uh, do you keep up with them uh, pretty regularly or as regularly as you can? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, most definitely. Um, like I said, I talked to him when he was at Colorado State. I stayed in con- constant contact with him just because we had guys being recruited. And um, he's at South Carolina now. One of my kids is at South Carolina, um, Jaheim Bell. So um, we, we, we talk. Um, not, not as much now just because they hadn't been able to do anything right now they've been trying to get ready for a season but before mm-hmm. everything happened um talk to him all the time just because you know I, I learned from him you know and i talked to b mac when he was over there brian mcclendon mm-hmm. when he was at South Carolina too and thomas brown when he was over there so um it's cool to have guys that you play with and kind of coach with and they're they're at the and they're still at those ranks and you're able to call them and talk to them and you know get feedback from them. have you had a chance to tease thomas about being on uh, hard knocks I have not. Um, I had. I hadn't. I hadn't even had a chance to watch. Um, these kids are running me crazy, boys. Like they're tag teaming us now. Um, oh, yeah. But I hadn't even had a chance that between that and football and game planning and stuff, I hadn't had a chance to watch it. But I'm gonna get them as soon as I get a chance to. Oh yeah, you you should. It, it's it's. I, I this year's hard knocks is really. And just to, on a side note, this year's hard knocks is actually really good. Um, and I'm inter- Like I'm always interested when, when I talk to people about it or when I talk to my friends about it. You know. Are you are you now a more of a Rams fan or are you more of a Chargers fan after after watching this? And you know, obviously, I'm not gonna go gung ho and start buying Chargers gear, but um, I, I think you'll you know I, I predict that a lot of people will become uh, Chargers fans after this, um, and and so it's it's a it's a, it's a really good uh, it's a really good uh, season of, of Hard Knocks. Just uh, so you won't want to miss that. But um, th- this new schedule, uh, what do you think about this ten game SEC schedule? Have you um, 
Do you think it's I, I personally I like it. I don't like that we had to change our uh schedule for Auburn. I think that that's a cop out for them, but you know, hey, mm-hmm. it's what it is. But um I like it. Um I like I like the fact that we're playing top tier games every week. You know, it's always fun to, you know, homecoming week, you know, you play the school of the deaf and the blind every once in a while and but I like to see hard-nosed football get after it every single week. And mm-hmm. um, I think that this schedule, first of all, I'm glad that we're playing, first of all. Yes. Um, but I think with the schedule set up and the way it's, it's going right now, I think it's going to be great a great season for everybody who loves the SEC. Because, I mean, you got a top-tier game every single week. And every um, single time slot, too. Yes. You don't have to worry about seeing Florida play somebody from, like, I don't know, Indiana or something. I don't know, but they're like playing Wyoming Tech. Tier. Yeah, like something some school I've never even heard of. You know, not a knock on the Georgia Southerns and them of the world either. So, just in case there are some Southern fans out there, I did not say that. But right. it is nice to see. You know, um, like LSU and I don't know, I forget who they're playing, but like it's LSU and Arkansas playing this week, and then you got Georgia, Florida, and then you got Alabama. You know, all those top tier SEC games, Bandy. Tennessee, something's going on every week, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. But I'll tell you what, game really, really scares the crap out of me, um, because of where it's located. Not because I don't think that, uh, not that I don't think Georgia's going to, you know, roll in any game. Um, I'm confident they could roll every game. But uh, Kentucky at Kentucky, right after Bama, right before the bye, that game scares the crap out of me because Kentucky is one of those teams that's really surging in the East. And Kentucky is. In the East, it's South Carolina and Kentucky. Well, when I played, for sure, it was South Carolina and Kentucky. You can get beat by them any day of the week, no matter if they were up or they were down. Because mm-hmm. um, they get up for that. That Georgia game is one game they're going to get up for. Yes. Um, and playing over there in Commonwealth Stadium, I mean, those guys are hype over there, too. Um, they got a great fan base over there. They love it. Um, and they're going to bring it every game. I think Coach Stoops has done a great job of getting those guys going. Um, so it's no longer considered just a basketball school anymore. You know, football's coming along um, and doing well. And They're Coach finally Stoops investing in it. Yes, and Coach Stoops has been has been a staple in that, you know, since he's gotten there. Um, I have a lot of respect for him just because of what he got when he got there and mm-hmm. what he's done um, since he's been there, you know. So um, Kentucky's going to be great. Um, we just got to – I th- I think just from looking at the schedule, I think we can win every game, and then we could also go like five and five if we're not careful, you know. So um, it's just you know it's the way it's the way it is, and I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there front and center, watching on TV every single game. Yes, no doubt, and uh, I'll be there with my with sporting my G, uh, either red, <laughs> black, or white, uh, depending on you know just. I guess depending on what what uh, laundry is available to me at that point, but uh, most um, definitely, you know, I wear I wear my my coach's collar shirt during the game and my visor. Whatever yeah. Kirby's wearing that day, I try to match it. Try to match it, yeah. yeah. So have you gotten your have you gotten your black standing bulldog visor? I think I've heard that one was, was a hot ticket item. I have not gotten the black one yet. I got a, I got two reds, two black. I mean, two reds, two white ones. I got to get me a black one. I haven't been able to find one yet. Yeah, I've got to get me one. Yes, I, I think I, I think I'm ready for a visor. Um, I, I've been a hat guy for for most of my life, but um, ever since I started coaching and 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 uh, the first time I put on a visor, coaching just it it changed me. It changed my life as far as that goes. You know, I, I'm I'm a huge proponent of visors now. So, 
Um, I might get me one. I'm a visor guy myself. Um, I coach with the Rush Probes. I was never a visor guy until I went to Colquitt. And, you know, Rush Probes is the visor guy. He's got every visor you can think of. And I was like, you know what? Let me try wearing a visor. And I've been a visor guy ever since. So what's it like working for him? What, you know, what, what I've heard, um, you know, I've heard it's, it's like long hours, seven days a week, um, you know, early morning practices, things like that. Like, was he, was he a larger than life character? No, no. Um, he, I mean, he is now he, he's different. He's different. But, um, when you talk, when you're having a general conversation with him, um, I mean, he's just like me and you talking right now. Yeah. Um, great guy to talk to, you know, he know he knows the ins and outs of football. Um, he knows the ins and outs of marketing and everything that you need to know about football. Um, but the persona that you see on TV, um, is different. You know, you see him, he'll get after, he'll holler and scream and stuff like that. But then you get behind closed doors. He's just like a regular person, you know, um, he was fun to coach for, um, he knows football now. He knows it backwards and forwards. Um, Great guy to learn from. Um, a lot of stuff that I run in my offense, um, some of the stuff that I learned from him, um, you know, about how to manipulate defenses and how to move people around and stuff like that. So I learned a lot of football from him. Um, and Sean Calhoun, who is at Carrollton right now, I learned a lot of football from them at my time at Colquitt. So um, he's a great – I mean, he's a great coach. Um, you know, I don't, I don't get caught up in the personal stuff that he does because that's none of my business. But yeah. as far as the coaching-wise, you know, I'm – I'll go, I can call him right now and be like, hey, coach, can you sit down with me for a minute? Um, he'll do it. You know, that's just kind of guy he is. Well, now that will be easier because he's, he's at Valdosta. Now, I thought that was a pretty good hire um, as, as far as that goes. So um, he'll do some big things at, at Valdosta if he hasn't already. Most definitely. You know, they won the other night. Uh, they played a really good Warner Robins team down here, took them down to the wire and ended up winning 28-25. Um, so the big thing down here, I'm pretty sure you guys are having it as well, is just, um, we're starting so late in football and some teams have had to cancel and stuff like that. So the, um, it's hard to jail right now when you're in games, you know, mm-hmm. you see it on TV a lot, you know, um, especially when you see like fumble snaps or, uh, fiascos on special teams, you know, just because of the time that we've had. So, yeah. um, you know, it'll get better each week, it get better. Yeah. You know, so, um, it's fun. Like I said, and I say it all the time, I'm just glad we're playing. I'm yeah. glad we're playing. I'll be happy when we can play. We, uh, in the Metro Nashville Public Schools District, we haven't started playing yet. They haven't, they haven't given us the green light. So we're just, we're just in a holding pattern right now. We're just practicing, um, not even full contact yet. Um, you know, we're able to wear full pads, but we're not able to go mm-hmm. cleared for full contact yet. So we're, we're still waiting on the word go. And, and oh, I'm man. sure we'll hit the ground running. And everybody else in our state's playing. So that, that makes it a little tricky. I know that's that's the hard part when two counties over somebody can play but then you can't. Not that's even the, two that's counties. That's the hardest part. Not even two counties. Like all of our surrounding, neighboring, bordering counties are playing. Oh man, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, that is, that's rough. Especially when the kids are practicing, but you have no game to look forward to. Exactly, that's and, the, and that's the hard part of a coach too. You're trying to get your get the most out of your kids, and you just know. You're like we ain't playing this week, you know. Try, so you're trying, trying to, to come trying up. to keep them focused is is, is a yeah. whole whole challenge. Which our kids have, uh, you know, praise to them. They've they've done a tremendous job at, at staying as focused as you can. I mean, I think sometimes mm-hmm. as coaches, we have trouble staying focused because we don't know where that where that end goal is, and we don't know um, when we're going to actually be cleared, and we're just kind of preparing for 
nothing really. We're just repping yeah. against random defenses just because, okay, they've probably gone against a, a 4-2-5 enough. Let's switch it up to an odd front just to give them something else to look at and try to hold their attention and make it look like it's something new. And we've probably installed way more plays than we normally would have at this point <laughs> uh, because of, well, if we keep working on the same stuff, we'll lose them. So, yeah, I mean, yep. there's there's only two counties, I think, um, that aren't playing right now in, in Tennessee, and that's uh, Davidson, which is the county which we play in, and mm-hmm. uh, Shelby, which is Memphis. And so I think oh, – wow. Yeah, I think those two, uh, those two are the only counties that aren't playing. I think, uh, I think two other counties were delayed, but they have since started. Um, I think they missed the first two weeks, and then they uh, they've since started. We haven't yet. I don't think we're going to start till October. Is is what oh, I'm hearing. Man. Are so, they are they going to do um, just region games for you guys then? Yeah, we'll take care of those first, and if there's any time, we'll try to add you know, add some games and we'll, we'll have to, I mean, we'll have to drop our whole schedule pretty much except for our region opponents and then reshuffle some things maybe. Yeah. Will they let, will they, are they still going to let you guys like do state playoffs and stuff like that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, because I think statewide they were able to start on time. So I think they're still going to okay. have, they're still going to have full playoffs. So we, we will, um, luckily there's enough, um, Metro teams. We, we we're, you know, we're, we're commonly referred to as Metro uh, there's enough mm-hmm. metro teams in our district to um, to justify just having us compete for the third and fourth spots um, because okay. um, the 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 two teams um, the, the two other teams we're our regions are spread very thin so there's only six teams in our region and four go and gotcha. uh, so we'll we'll battle there'll be four of us that battle for for two spots and then the other two teams will just we're just going to concede that they're going to be one and two and let them fight that out and okay. and we'll we'll represent so. We'll get creative with our schedule. Um, we'll figure things out, and and hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll figure things out so we can just give our kids some sort of answer. And that's that's really all we're looking for. We're looking for a solid answer. Are we going to cancel the whole thing? Are we going to try to play? Are we going to try to play as early as we possibly can? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I know that's right because I I think that's the big thing that uh I, Mr. Robert Hines, who's our guy, mm-hmm. uh, a GHSA guy, he he's done a great job. He's um, as far as you know keeping up with everything and um, coming out with these rules and, you know, regulations and guidelines that people have followed. And, to, and for the most part, everybody's done a great job. Um, so in allowing the counties to decide, you know, if they have a huge outbreak to kind of um, limit or postpone if they need to. Because um, I know a couple of schools in Fulton, they, they delayed theirs for another week. So mm-hmm. their first games w- will be this week. Yeah. Um. So just just kind of give you know a little cushion there, which is which is fine. But he's allowing us to play, um, because GISA, which is what we're in, kind of follows the same rules, um, as GHSA. So, um, I think he's been a great leader in that, and making sure that hey, we're going to do this as long as everybody does their part. Yeah, um, I mean, we so. we got to follow our protocols, and I think most teams are for the most for the most part. Uh, testing gets kind of tricky because you can't. You know, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's very costly uh, for a high school program, but um, I, I think I think there's been very few disruptions, um, and and I think it's gone pretty smoothly so far. So I think it's uh, I, I think our district, our district leadership, uh, is looking kind of at at everybody else around us, and I, I think they're I think they're considering letting us go earlier rather than later um, because I mm-hmm. think they're seeing that um, there's relative success. I mean, it's not perfect, obviously, and and there's there's been teams that have been quarantined and there's been, you know, there's been a couple of games that have been rescheduled uh, due to small outbreaks within, within these schools. But 
I think for the most part, I, I think everything's ran pretty smooth. Um, when mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, 500 high schools trying to, you know, statewide trying to play football, I think it's been relatively smooth. So um, just hope, yeah, I just hope. I, I think I've heard September 25th um, is, is a date that's floating around that we might get the green light. So I'm hoping for that. Um, and I'm hoping that, that we can, that we can maintain that goal. It's so it's going to be, I'm telling you, when you, when you're following, when you guys finally get to hit the field, it hit us this Friday. It's like, ha, ah, we made it. We made it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think these kids, I think these kids will develop an appreciation of, okay, <laughs> we know now, uh, I mean, not that they have it before, but I, I think, you know, I think sometimes you need things to happen that reaffirm that that appreciation. And I think this is one of those things. I, I think this team will play, and we have a great group of seniors. We have a great group of upperclassmen, even with our junior class of of leaders and guys that are holding other guys accountable, which we haven't always had um, in years mm-hmm. past. Like for in our program, you know, even when I came in four years ago, it was I mean, it was a lot worse than it is now as far as practice attendance. But I mean, you didn't know who you were going to have day to day at practice, like you. And you might have 18 kids there one day um, at practice and then turn around the next day, you have 45 kids there. Um, and, and then that, that number would fluctuate. And then some, you know, then when that number got more stable, it was, okay, which 35 kids are we going to get at practice today? You know, and, oh, and, then, and then you deal with that. And, you know, obviously your, your continuity is terrible. You can't really get a rhythm on offense. You can't really get solid work on defense and special teams. Don't mm-hmm. even get me started. I mean, you can't even you can't even even dream or fathom about special teams. Um, and and we've lost games like we lost a game uh, last year because um, because we missed four tackles on a kickoff return and and they and they took it to the house. We lost another game. Uh, we ended up losing a game because of a, a momentum swinger like a punt return for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, where he you know he kicks a line drive and the guy has time. And he's a pretty good athlete back there, um, and, and he had time, and he had space, and a combination of time, space, and and the lack of ability to tackle in space killed us there. And then they ended up taking momentum and 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 won the game. And it was yeah, a game that we it. it was a game that we jumped on them early, and and they they just they used a momentum grabbing play in special teams, and so. Um, you know, I, I think special teams, I, I don't think enough people take enough pride in, in special teams. And, and so it's, uh, we, we've practiced it a lot more this year than we ever have. So, um, and, and we're, we're actually, we're actually, um, attendance is, is very good this year. I think we've had very few issues of guys not showing up consistently. I mean, we still have a few, but those guys aren't, are non-factors now where in yeah. years past they were key factors. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, exactly. That's always that's always tricky. So anytime we can figure that whole piece of it out is 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 great. So, um, but Israel, um, it was great to have you on, man. Um, you know we should we should do this more often. And, and I always want to say that you're welcome anytime you want to come on. Um, I'd love to have you back. And uh, I I told Richard this. I had Chad Glor on as well. Um, Chad was actually my first uh, my first interview when when I got my show greenlit. So. I'm gonna have you call out two guys, and and we'll try to get them on. So who are you calling man. out? Man, uh, let's see, my man Tavares King. Um, He's been called out three see. times now. <laughs> hey, that's hey. Let me tell you now, we 
That's my guy right there. He is a funny, funny human being. Okay. Uh, I think you guys would love to hear from him. Yes. Um, and Michael Bennett. Michael um, Bennett. Okay. I think uh, I think people need to hear Michael Bennett's story. Okay. Um, he was a. Uh, I was his host when he was uh, thinking about coming to Georgia, and um, he did some great things at Georgia as well. Yeah, I remember. Um, so, I remember watching him, and he was he was a lot of fun to watch. Yes, he's very, very, very great guy too. So. Tavares King and Michael Bennett; those are my two nominees for that. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I tell you what, Israel. We'll uh, we'll get them on the show, um, and then uh, and you can you can help me interview those guys. How about that? Sounds like a plan right there. Now. All right, man. Well, uh, where can we find you on, on social media? Uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter, um, Troop Two Eight at. Well, that's my that's my um, that's my email, but uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Troop Two Eight. Um, Troopstar28, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so if, you, if anybody wants to email me, if you got some prospects I need to look at, you know, just hit me on down on Twitter. And I'm pretty funny sometimes, and I'm pretty serious at times too. So it's a good mix of both. Yes. Um, I didn't know. I didn't realize my tweet about practice today was going to be as popular as it was. Um, I guess a lot of coaches go through the same thing that we're that we're going through down mm-hmm. here. Um, if we're playing on Friday, why wouldn't we have practice on Monday? Exactly. You know? There's a 99.9999% chance that you have practice today. Now, we don't have a game coming up, so we're, we're the .0001%. I saw that a lot of people tweeted it's 100. I said, no, it's not 100. It's, it's a couple out there that's that .0001%. But yeah, uh, we for the most part, I promise you, if you guys could have practice, you got, or if you guys were playing this week, you guys would be having practice today. Oh, so. no doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, we were supposed to have a game this Friday, and we were going to practice today, but you know, since we don't have a game, so mm-hmm. you know, we don't have a game for another projected another three weeks. So, so why why practice today? Oh, y'all enjoy the time off. I got to finish these scout cards and stuff. So we got we got a meeting at one, um, but my stuff's already done. I just got a couple more cards I got to finish. Uh, I tried to get all my stuff done Saturday morning before game day comes on, and then I just finish up the little things I do. Gotcha. Um, on Sunday, so that way my my week is already done. I already know what I want to run for the week, and all I got to do is just make the script. All practice. right, that sounds like a plan. Um, well, Israel, give me a give me a big hearty go dogs before you leave. We'll do. Um, go dogs, baby. Um, go dogs, and I'm glad we're getting to play. And I'll see you guys soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.